introduce Pastor Campbell, and he'll talk to us about this. John chapter 5, 1 through 9. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. And now there is in Jerusalem by the Sheep Gate a pool in Aramaic called Bethsaida which has five roofed colonnades, and in these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, paralyzed. One man was there who had been there, had been an invalid for 38 years. And when Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there a long time, he said to him, Do you want to get well? The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no one to put me in the pool when the water is stirred up, and while I'm going, other steps come, others step down before me. And Jesus said to him, Get up, take up your bed, and walk. And at once the man was healed, and he took up his bed, and he walked. And now that day was the Sabbath day. Let's take a moment to reflect together on God's Word. of you know the story that 10 years ago I was out at UNCW and uh, for church purposes and there was a big fair out there. A lot of other people came around and uh, were, you know, fraternity, sororities, the rowing club, other churches, other Christian organizations and New Beginning Christian Church was out there and Rob Campbell was sitting there. And I thought, okay, somehow, you know, how the Lord works it out, just I got to meet this guy. And and honestly, and it's no exaggeration, I won the lottery on that day. Because the, what he and Kathy, their four children, their church has given me is way more than a lottery ticket. And, and my life would be less, so much less without knowing New Beginning, without knowing Rob, without knowing Kathy, without having a sense of their heart. And so don't you love it when God brings somebody into your life and then they eat up space? But then they, they give you way more than they eat up, you know, like it's a, it's an addition. And so Rob's done so many kind things for me personally. He's been a great friend. But what, what I love most about Rob is he really loves the same Lord that I love. And he loves to help people understand who Jesus is by helping them see Jesus in the Word of God. And so that's what my heart beats for. I know that's what his heart beats for. And it's a real joy for me not to just introduce a pastor from across town, but to have you listen to my friend. So let me pray for him. Heavenly Father, it's, it's a great honor. It's a great joy that you bring people together. And especially thankful for Rob, my friend. Pray, Lord, now that you would fill him up and then spill over into our lives for your glory and for our benefit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Paul. I am the one that is most honored. Um, when I met Paul, um, soon thereafter, he invited me to go with him to Chicago, I think it was. And we went to this conference, and he even thought enough to pay for me to go. And... Um, we were there and <laughs> we were in this room together. We shared this room. And I was sharing with Paul some of the 
desires of my heart. And, and sometimes how your heart can be broken by situations and circumstances. And Paul, what I love about him, he's a man of great character and great principles. He's kind of my alter ego. I, I, I'm, I'm out front and I'm bold and in charge. I keep asking Paul, Paul, how did you do what you did? And he said, man, it's the elders, it's the people. He never takes credit for anything. At my church meetings, I tell them they can say what they want inside the room. We're going to make a decision. And if it works, it was my decision. (laughs) Not Paul. Paul is uh, more demure and more uh, unselfish. We were in the room and um, Paul... um, Began to talk to me and give me words of encouragement. And he said, let's pray. (laughs) I said, okay. So I got to the foot of my bed and I began to pray. And I looked up and Paul came to my side on my bed. And I thought, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh. What is going on with this? I wasn't ready for that. I'm like. (laughs) But he was so, I mean, genuine. And really began to pray with me. And I thought, man, this is a great guy. This is a great man. And I'm proud and honored to call you my friend. And I I appreciate the Lord. There was such a spirit in this place while the praise and worship was going on that I felt full. Anybody else feel that? Did you feel the, the fall of the Holy Spirit? Did you feel the welcoming, the presence of the Spirit of God? And, and, and I like that. I like that. Uh, today I want to talk with you uh, for a few moments. These are pregnant moments. They're pregnant because I say they are few, but they may multiply. So... Paul told me I had 20, I think he said 30 to 40 minutes, but if y'all work with me, I can do it in less time. Because Paul lets you know that I come from the background of call and response, and, 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 and if you don't respond, I think you're not hearing me. And that means i got to preach longer. Because I dare not come here today and not do what God has called me to do. Paul has read the scripture, and I'd like to take for the thought, looking at verse number 7 of that passage, and it reads, The impotent man answered the Lord, saying, Sir, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me into the pool. But while I am coming, another steps in front of me. And today I'd like to preach from the thought, Lord, help me. I'm stuck. Lord, help me. I'm stuck. I don't know if you've ever been, anybody ever been stuck? You've been, you, you, you started out moving well and you got to a place to where you couldn't go any further. You, you, you looked at where you wanted to go and you couldn't get there, but you knew where you had just come from. You didn't want to go back. And you're saying, God, I want more of you. God, I need more of you. God, you told me that my family would be here, but I see us here and we've, we've hit a glass ceiling and we're just stuck. And really, I think you can be stuck uh, uh, in a, a spiritual place that it takes God to come and ask you, do you want to be whole? 
Because you've tried everything you know to do, but you're stuck. Anybody ever been stuck? If you've been stuck, say amen. amen. Now that, oh, that was good. <laughs> that, that was good. Stuck. Sometimes you can get stuck right in the church. Stuck. Spiritually stuck. I, 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 I want to I go higher in you. You, get, you can become stifled in your spiritual growth. You can become so traditional in your thought, there's no room to do anything but what you've always done. Sometimes you can be stuck. You can become uncertain in your faith. God, why is it working for them? But it's not working for me. Stuck. You can, and, and then once you become traditional and, and, and critical is the next thing. You can become critical of this thing doesn't work. Why am I, why am I here this Sunday? Why do I give my tithe and offering? Why, why do I come here and I leave the same way I came? You can become stuck. This man had been at the pool, uh, for 38 years. Stuck in the same place. Stuck seeing the water would get stirred up and there would be others that would get into the water and get what they need while he's still stuck in the place of need. You ever been around where God is blessing, he's blessing in your neighborhood, he's blessing in your role, and you try to be happy for people, but you're saying, God, why are you give it to them and I'm stuck in the same place? You ever been stuck? You ever been stuck in saying, God, uh, uh, I, I don't know why I'm still at the same place year after year. Why is it that some people seem to come in and they catch on fire, but it's still just tradition to me? Stuck. And it's interesting. Uh, the Bible says that Jesus comes to the man and he said, will you be made whole? Sometimes you can be stuck so long that people on the outside looking at you, they don't even know if you want to move or not because you've been there so long. You can be stuck so long that you become anesthetized by your surroundings. It, 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 you no longer feel what you used to feel. You've been stuck so long that you become numb. This man is setting, the Bible says, on one of five porches. He's at this place that is known to be the place of mercy just by its name. He's at a place of mercy and he's seeing everybody that has been classified by their condition. It's something that you can be stuck so long that you become classified by your condition. And and you know when you become classified by your condition, then you connect to people with the same condition that you have. And, and whatever you connect to, you draw power from. So the blind folks who are stuck there with other blind folks, and, and the person that's blind is complaining to someone else that's blind. He says, I can't see. She says, I can't either. So we feel okay being blind. But if the blind lead the blind, they both fall in the ditch. Sometimes you can get stuck and you, 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 you acclimate to people that have the same 
dysfunction as you. And you become anesthetized. You become, uh, uh, you begin to bring your expectations down to your reality. And, and, and you could be there for a while and you could get to the place where you simply settle. I, I, I submit to you that some of us have been anesthetized. We've become numb that we have settled for less than what God would want us to have. He doesn't just want us to have life, but he wants us to have it more abundantly. Does it sound like I'm hollering? I'm trying to, be, I'm trying to behave myself this morning. Because when Paul comes to my church, he doesn't behave himself. He doesn't. He does not. He does not. Somebody say amen. I'm like, look at Paul. Oh, y- oh y'all, are, y'all are ready. But I love that he comes as he is. And, and somebody said, Pastor Campbell, I've been to your church. And you don't preach in your church the way you preach when you come visit us. Because I'm not sure if you're ready. <laughs> and it's not about the messenger. It's about the message. And I know who I am. And I'm trying to pull on that part that I am that you can receive what I'm saying. But I come to stir you up this morning and let you know that God don't want you to just survive. He wants you to strive. He don't want you to settle for that's enough. He wants you to have him overflowing more abundantly. Now, somebody might say, well, you don't know where I live, but you can live in a mansion and still be miserable. You can have family around you and still feel alone. I dare say some of us have gotten stuck. The man said in the, in the scripture, when Jesus came to him, he said, there's something about you that makes me think that maybe you don't want to be made whole. Have you gotten so comfortable in your dysfunction that it looks normal? I come to break the lid off of your expectations. God said life and more abundant life. And if you don't have that life, then don't settle. He wants you to have success. Don't settle for mediocrity. Don't settle for just enough. Because look, these people... We're all on porches, classified by their condition. And I could imagine that they're seeing people die every day. And they could be settled with the fact, at least I'm still alive. No. No. God says, I want you to have more. God says, I want you to have more. And the man, the man says to Jesus, Lord, he says, sir, but when you look it up in the Greek, it's kurios, which means Lord. Uh, but he, he's calling him Lord, but he doesn't really see him as Lord. He says, my problem is that a man is not there to put me in the place of my healing. Sometimes we are stuck because uh, of something, our relationship with man. <laughs> 
Some people may have gotten stuck because you were in a little place of being developed and some man, some woman uh, may have uh, hindered your progress. They may have taken advantage of your innocence. Some man, some woman may have disappointed you. You you saved yourself to give yourself to this man. And, and as life got rough, he walked out and you got divorced and you said, I want to love again, but I'm stuck. I would do better, but you don't know what I come through, Pastor Campbell. I'm, I'm stuck. I can't, I can't trust like I want to because, because the, the, my relationship with a man or the lack of a man or the lack of a father or the lack of a mother, there's some reason that I'm stuck in this place for 38 years. 40 is the number of spiritual maturity. They were in the wilderness for 40 years. Moses, he was in, in Pharaoh's house for 40 years and then went to the back side of the desert for 40 years and then came and delivered them for 40 years. 40 is the number of spiritual maturity. I believe that there is a message there that is 38 years and if you don't move soon, that which is on you will have complete maturity in your life and you will not be able to break it. He says, the man has been there for 38 years, and he's looking and saying, Lord, there's no one to put me in the pool. In 38 years, he could have, he could have inched, inched his way up to the pool, and to where, when the water got stirred up, he could have just fell over in it. <laughs> Which makes you think that maybe, 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 maybe he didn't want it. How bad do you want it? That others can get their blessing in front of you. And what's interesting to me is the Bible says he's by the sheep gate, the market gate. Now, it's not hot. I, and I'm not nervous. It's the anointing. It's the anointing. It says, I'm going, I'm going to sweat as long as I'm alive. When you see me preaching and I'm not sweating, I ain't doing nothing. So whether you are receiving something or not, I feel good about where I'm at. <laughs> the Bible says they were by the sheep gate, the market gate. And, 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 and the Bible says that this, this pool of water, I'm thinking that they're by this sheep gate, by the market gate. They would bring sheep into this place. Some to be sold, some to be offered in sacrifice in the temple. Those sheep that would come in to the sheep gate would be taken through the pool of Bethsaida. And they would wash the sheep before they would take the sheep into the temple to be sacrificed. This is a pool of water. This is not a lake. It's a pool of water that did not drain. They would come and put more water in the pool. If you will, for just a moment, imagine this pool of water and people are bathing and swimming. And you know, thank God for chlorine and swimming pools. And they would take these scared, uh, uh, scared, uh, afraid sheep that could know, they could hear, uh, bleeding in the, in the, in the far off knowing that sheep were dying. And I could imagine these sheep being brought through this water and fearful. And I could see feces in the water and I could see hair and, and wool in the water. And this is stagnant 
water that would get stirred up. I believe that it, when, when the man looked over and saw the water getting stirred up and smelt the stench, I think he may have said, I don't think I want to. <laughs> That's more. How many times does God come and offer you a way that's faith that seems illogical? You all remember the Syrian general, Naaman, who had leprosy. He goes to Elisha, and Elisha says, go and dip in the river seven times. And this great general says, wait a minute, there were rivers and lakes where I come from. And this filthy water you want me to dip. But it wasn't the water. It wasn't the seven times. It was the obedience to the word of God that brought his deliverance. Sometimes God will cause you to say, listen, in order for me to break this thing off of you, you're going to have to do something that seems illogical, but is aligning with my word. Somebody hurt you, and God says, forgive them. And you say, I can do that once. He says, I want you to do it not seven times. Seven times 70? Oh, the devil is a liar. That's what I would think. But his ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. He says the way up is down. He says the first will be last, and the last shall be first. He said, you, you, you get by giving. You lose by holding. I don't know what God is trying to say to you, but somebody, you've been stuck for 38 years because of something somebody did to you. And God says, listen, I want you to go and forgive them. And you say, God, you don't know what he did. It doesn't matter. God does not hold you accountable for what they did. He holds you accountable for what you do. And God says, I don't want you to be stuck anymore. But by holding on to them, you're really keeping yourself in that same place. There are marriages and relationships that can't go forward because you're waiting for somebody to deserve forgiveness. But the thing is, forgiveness has to be given before it is earned. And you keep saying, no, I'm going to wait for them to earn my forgiveness. And no, that's not God's way. I believe that the water got stirred and he looked over and said, "Mm, I can't see it. That's not that's not the way I want to do it. It doesn't seem fair. You ever been in the place where God told you to do something and it didn't seem fair? And, And Jesus asked him a question. The man is looking in the pool. Jesus is looking in the man. The man is looking in the pool for his power and deliverance. But Jesus is looking in the man. And he asked him a question. Will you be made whole? The man is looking for power in the pool. But Jesus says, the power is not in the pool. Thy word have I hidden in my heart. That I would not sin against you. Every time Jesus got ready to heal someone, he would, he says, according to your faith, it will be done unto you. The man is looking in the pool. Jesus is looking in the man. He says, will, what is your will? Will you be made whole? 
He tells us, if you have the faith, I have the power. Will you be made whole? I liken it to being at home. And we have this, this stove. It's a gas stove. And in order for the stove to light, you have to turn over and it says click, 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 click. Then the gas. Jesus says, the clicker is your faith. I am the power, but I cannot ignite until you turn on your faith. Everybody said, click, click. Boom. That's what God is saying. If you have the faith, say, click, click. Boom. That's what God is saying. As soon as you ignite your faith over this thing, I'm going to explode in your life. But he's sitting there. He's the power sitting there saying, call me into your situation. First John 5, 14 and 15. This is the confidence we have in him. That he hear us. And we know that we, he hears us, then we can have those things that we pray. I have confidence. Jesus is saying, you've been trying to do it by your own skills. He says, I need you to invite me in by faith so I can explode in your life. Click, click. Yeah. He's waiting on you. You're waiting on him and he's waiting on you. You're waiting on somebody to say, I'm sorry. And God says, I'm waiting on you. Why? Because the, the strong, hallelujah, the strong have to bear the infirmities of the weak. I, I've always thought, Lord, why me? I'd rather be weak if that's going to be the case. Why I got to be the one to, to bring about restoration? Why, why I have to be the one to say I'm sorry? Why do I have to be the one? And he says, because you're strong. And he says, in, in your weakness, you're made even stronger. He said, when you stop trying to do your will, do my will. He says, will you, if you abide in me and my word abide in you, what now I'm in the will. I wonder where you're at today. Will you be made whole? Jesus speaks to them. And the man is looking for the answer in the wrong place. Sometimes you come and when you're looking for Pastor Paul and at New Beginning, they're looking for Pastor Campbell to do something, maybe lay hands or maybe bring a, a, a rhema word, maybe to do it just right so you can get what you need. But there is nothing in me except but the word of God. And if you get it in you and activate and use that word. I know somebody's thinking, he's talking about name it and claim it, blab it and grab it. No, no, no. Faith without works is dead. And some of us have been sitting in the place of dysfunction so long that it's become the place where we settled, the place that we we died, the place that we became numb, the place that we brought our expectations down to our reality. And the Lord is saying to them, no, it's in you. Will you be made whole? And what I like about this, he tells them three things in verse number eight. 
he tells him, he tells him, arise, take up thy bed and walk. He says, there's something that you have to do with this word that you're receiving. Paul shared with you that our theme or our, our, our vision is changing lives through the power of this gospel. People of God, if you, if you hear, but you do not heed, uh, James says that, that we should not just be hearers of the word only, but doers. He goes on to say that when we hear the word and we don't do it, we nullify the power of the word and we deceive ourselves. It's as if you see yourself in the mirror of the word and you refuse to do anything with what you got. Now you say, I've already entertained that and I cannot be made free through that. You have deceived yourself. So the Lord tells them three things. He tells them, get up, pick up, and move. He tells them, rise up, take up thy bed and walk. He says, get up, pick up, and move. He's saying, I need you to do something with what you've heard. I don't know where you're stuck. I don't know if you're stuck in your business and you say, God, you told me I had franchises in me. I don't know if you're stuck in your marriage and it's, it's hit a place where it seems that you thought you would be here, but you're here. But he says, there is according to your will. He says, get up, pick up, and move. Y'all say that with me. Get up, pick up, and move. Say it one more time. Get up. Yeah. Now that's not to me. That's not to your neighbor. Y'all notice I haven't told you one time to turn and tell your neighbor anything. (laughs) I always felt nervous when they said that because I wasn't, I didn't even know the neighbor. (laughs) Wasn't sure I should even engage him or her. I'm talking to you about your situation, about where you are. And where God wants to take you to. This word that comes from this pulpit. The Bible says this word is a weapon. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. Piercing and dividing and cutting asunder. Down to the marrow and the bone. And to the intents of men's heart. This word is powerful. God has called you an overcomer. Now you've done all you know in the flesh. But what have you done in your faith? In your faith. I'm reminded of this lady. Who's a. Prolific teacher. Joyce Myers. Wonderful lady. I love Joyce. She's just kind of raw. I like that. But Joyce. When you hear her story. She's ministering healing to so many. But when she talks about where she came from. That her father. Molested her over a hundred times. How could she possibly move? How could she possibly stand and minister? She had to make a decision to do it God's way. He says, get up. Get up. You cannot stay where you are and go where God is calling you to. He says, get up. Gird up yourself. Get up. When you're saying get up, you're saying, I'm going to try this one more time. 
I've been married 30 years. And we've been on a roller coaster. We still are. It just don't dip as like it used to. It looks like from a distance it looked like we It used to be like And it still does, but it, it from a distance it looks like it's that. We just don't dip as far. We've had one argument our whole marriage. Just one. It's lasted 30 years. <laughs> don't never finish. We just go back into it. Here's the point. Here's the point. Here's the point. Here's the point. I've learned that sometimes all we get, we don't fix all the problems. All we get is to say, I'm willing to try again. I, I, I don't give up on that. We didn't fix that. I'm just willing to try again. I, I'm willing. He says, get up. Everybody shout, get up. Yeah. I don't know where you are. I don't know if it's in your business. I don't know if it's in your home. But the Lord says, get up. Don't, don't, don't sit in that place of settling. Why not you? Why shouldn't you be blessed? Why, why shouldn't your, your family be what you desire it to be according to this word? Why shouldn't your business, why shouldn't you be whatever it is God has called you to be? He called you an overcomer. So there had to be something that you had to overcome. Get up. See, because if you're not careful, they are sitting on these porches. And y'all notice they're on these porches. They're not in the house. They're on the porch. As if they were in the house. They've got their blanket on the porch. You have been sitting in the place uh, uh, of, of, of mediocrity. You've been sitting in the place of dysfunction so long that it seems normal. I could just imagine them all on the porch and they're around everybody else that's on the porch that they have their own little pallets and they've drawn a line around their pallet. This is my pallet. Don't cross over. They're eating on the porch. They're sleeping on the porch. They're bathing on the porch. The porch has become their place of dysfunction, but it looks normal. God says, no, no, no. I I don't want you to stay on the porch any longer. I don't want you to stay there any longer. Get up. And pick up, pick up, pick up the things that you've dropped, picked up the thing that you have been laying on. It's time for you to carry it and not lay in it. Pick up your bed. Pick up the place of your comfort. Do you know that when, if you're building a business, and many of you all know, it's a very uncomfortable thing. You work harder. You worry about more. Building a church is a very uncomfortable thing. People think I have a crystal ball. I have faith. I have faith. According to your faith, it will be done under you. Get up. Pick up. Pick up. Don't, don't lay there anymore. Don't settle anymore. Redream. Dream big dreams because you serve a big God. Your family may be shattered and, and, and you look good. Y'all remember the commercial, the guy that's riding on the lawnmower and, and he's talking about, he's in front of this big old house and he's smiling and he says, I'm in debt up to my eyebrows. <laughs> he looks good. That's how we look sometimes, especially at church. When we put on our Sunday go to meeting suit, well, that's what we do in the black church. Yes, sir. Yeah. We, we ain't coming to church dressed down. We've been dressed down all week. 
It's time to dress up. I don't care if nobody else dressed. I know how Paul was going to dress. Is that good for Paul? But no, man. I, I want to find me a good suit. Paul knows that. Sometime he said, Rob, we're going to be in jeans and t-shirts. Go ahead. I'll be in a jacket and a tie. <laughs> he says, get up, pick up, and move. Get up, pick up, and move. See, what stops us from moving, how much time I got, Mike? Five minutes? All right. I can do this in five minutes. At my church, I got a clock on the back wall. It don't mean anything, but it's, it don't mean nothing. It don't mean a thing. See, because at some point the Holy Spirit is preaching and I just let him do what he does. Ain't my fault. The Lord is saying, don't settle. Don't settle in the things that you want. Anybody want more of him? There are times where we're walking with the Lord and it feels like you're right beside him. And then there are other times you feel like you're grappling in the dark trying to reach for him. And I love those moments when I'm right beside him. But then I have to search for him sometimes as a lost treasure. Lord, I need to feel you. I want to feel you. The last thing, the Lord says, the man got up, picked up. And he moved. But it's interesting. And I thought this was very interesting. I think it was down in, down in verse 14. This man, this is on Sunday. Now Jesus is already messing with everybody's tradition. Jesus wasn't supposed to heal on a Sunday. But Jesus has already come. He's messing with their traditions because before he got here, he's, he found the woman at the well. And he ministered to her. He was seen in public with this woman of a bad reputation who had been married five times. And the man she was with then wasn't her husband. So Jesus is messing with tradition. The man then goes into the synagogue in verse number 14. Afterwards, Jesus finished. He findeth him in the temple and said unto him, this caught me by surprise. Behold, thou art made whole. Sin no more. Least the worst thing come unto thee. Wait a minute. This man has been in a dysfunctional situation for 38 years. The Bible doesn't tell us what he did. And it could be that he didn't do anything overtly. Something could have happened to him. For example, somebody could have hurt him. But do you know unforgiveness is sin? It, it could be that, 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 that he just got greedy. And he started going after things in the wrong way and found himself in a dysfunctional situation. I don't know. But I thought it was interesting. The Lord seemed to suggest that there's something the man did that caused him to be at the place of dysfunction. There's something that there's a responsibility we have to take in our situation. We have to take a step back and examine it and say, Lord, I see, I, I see where I, where I zigged when I should have zagged. 
I, I see that I should have held my peace and allowed you to fight the battle. That's why I lost that corporate job. Lord, I, I realize that, that I held people to my standard and, and, and I wouldn't allow them grace the way you gave me grace. That's why my children don't want to have anything to do with me. Ah, but what we need to be able to do is look in our own lives and whatever thing that we have uh, sinned against, we need to confess that, forgive that, and then move. The Lord is saying to us, Will you? What is, what's in you that wants more of me? What's in you that, 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 that needs to activate that faith? This word you're getting. This word. Faith comes by hearing and then hearing by this word. It is through the washing of the water of the word that we are cleansed. It's through the word that we are sanctified to be set apart from the old way. There was a time that I thought that if I touched a woman that was a sin, but then I heard the word and the word says when I lusted for her in my heart, it was a sin. So this is where I was, I heard the word. It caused me to separate from where I was to become sanctified. This word can cleanse us and cause us to pick up. Get up, pick up, and move. You waiting on God, and God's waiting on you. We don't all have the same problems, but we are. I guess we do have the same problem. It's the same problem. Sin. Sin. Unbelief. Looking for it in the logical. But we are called to walk by faith. We're called to walk by faith. And and here's the thing. Stand up, please. Because if y'all sit down longer, I think I'm to preach longer. God is waiting on you. To know that he's the author and the finisher of your faith. He that has began a good work in you, he is able to complete it. When did you settle? Where have you settled? Where has settling become a dysfunction and you become anesthetized by your, your surrounding? Numb, put to sleep. God says, get up. Pick up and move. I'm waiting on you. As soon as you go click, click, I'm going to provide the, the power. Soon as you, soon as you can engage your faith. I'm not talking about some weird thing that, that I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to throw water on you or something. No, no, no. That ain't what God called me to do. He called me to cause you to reignite your faith and the things that matter in your home, in your business. In your family, in your church, in your life, according to your faith, it'll be done unto you. Will you? Will you? Will you? Will you? Will you? Will you you be made whole? Let's pray.